Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 119. Today I will be talking about a fight that led to a man fighting for his life. My sources for today's episode are an episode of Sleeping with a Killer, Season 1, Episode 6, Fox13News.com, CourtTV.com, and TampaBay.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. August 2014, an assault is reported in Hillsborough County, Florida. I've investigated violent crimes for a lot of years, and this was one of the worst beatings I've ever seen. Both eyes swollen shut. He was unrecognizable. An investigation begins, and the lead suspects are quickly identified. He was definitely jealous. This is somebody who knew that he had a temper and went looking for trouble. The suspects give their version of events, but detectives soon uncover evidence that suggests things played out differently. One little lie created so much damage. A man that got murdered for seemingly doing nothing wrong. He didn't deserve any of what he got. On August 11th, 2014, the police in Hillsborough County, Florida, received a 911 call from a witness who had witnessed an attack on a neighbor. Raul Ortiz was the victim. He had been attacked and beaten near his trailer. He was found brutally attacked and bloody. He was unrecognizable and unresponsive. He was also unable to answer any questions that he was being asked. The police attempted to perform CPR until the ambulance showed up at the scene. Raul was airlifted but went into cardiac arrest on the way. The police canvassed the area and spoke to neighbors. One neighbor told the police that she had seen a red truck driving away from the scene, and she believed that the red truck belonged to a woman named Danielle. Danielle had been dating Raul and had once dated an older man named James Robinson. James Robinson Sr. had two sons named James Jr. and Aaron. The neighbor knew that Raul had been beaten up by James's sons, James and Aaron, a few weeks earlier. It was believed to be over Danielle, Danielle seemed to be dating both Raul and James at the same time. The neighbor had also seen another red truck at Raul's house. This time, they described the red truck had a light-colored strip under it. A neighbor named Kimberly Boyette had been standing outside her home, and she also had seen the red pickup truck. She had also seen a white pickup truck pull up at Raul's home. She had seen three individuals get out of the cars, and one of them was identified as Aaron. Kimberly said all three males took off their shirts and began to yell at Raul. All three of them participated in jumping and beating Raul. She said the fight didn't last any more than a minute or two. Kimberly also claimed that one of them had threatened her and told her to keep her mouth shut. Kimberly had received a phone call from Danielle immediately after. Danielle had said that Aaron and Raul had had some past beef. The incident had happened at a local Circle K. According to Aaron, Raul had made a sexual comment towards Aaron's girlfriend, Kayla, who had been 17 at the time. The police used various databases to do a background check on Aaron. They were able to confirm that Aaron had a brother and father in the area. Aaron had previously lived with his dad, James Sr. Aaron also had previous robbery and domestic violence charges on his record. A photo pack was shown to Kimberly. It consisted of six photos, and Kimberly was able to identify Aaron's photo. The police went to Aaron's address to attempt to speak to him. Raul's trailer was on the corner of 12th and Adina Streets. The crime scene was small, as Raul had been jumped right outside his front door. 
The original pool of blood was found, but there were also some blood spatter and blood transfer on the landscaping stones around the property. A hammer was also located, but it didn't have any blood on it, and the police didn't think it had been used in the attack. The crime scene technicians went to the hospital to take photos and collect evidence from Raul. Both of his eyes were swollen, his teeth had been knocked out or were crooked, he had abrasions on his body. Raul's family was notified. He was described as nice, kind, and funny. He had a close relationship with his sister, and he was also very close to his neighbor, Kimberly Boyette. Raul and Kimberly had lived close to each other for years. Raul was a hard worker. He worked as a handyman, but enjoyed his time off. Aaron was located at his home. In the driveway of his home was a red pickup truck with a gray stripe on it. However, the gray stripe was actually a camouflage pattern. The police knocked on the door, and a friend of Aaron's answered and claimed to know why the police were there. He said Aaron was just putting on clothes and would talk to them. Aaron's girlfriend, Kayla Bryant, was also at the home. Aaron and Kayla were both taken to the police station for questioning, and the truck was driven to the station too. Aaron said that Kayla had told him about the incident that happened at the Circle K, the same day that Rola was beaten. Kayla had told Aaron that Rola had been looking at her inappropriately and had stood next to her so he could look down her shirt. Aaron became furious and wanted to confront Rola. Later, they met up with Danielle at a Dollar General. Aaron claimed he had a phone call with Raul and told him what he did was inappropriate. Aaron, his brother James, and their friend Hilario Fluffy Coronado all went to Raul's. Aaron said they arrived at Raul's. Raul had taken off his shirt and threw a punch at him. Aaron said he punched Raul several times and then blacked out. He said the last thing he remembered was James pulling him off of Raul and saying they needed to leave. Aaron claimed that he had blacked out before after getting really angry. It seemed to be a trend that Aaron always got angry, and people around the area knew that Aaron was angry and a jealous person. The police didn't believe Aaron's story. He had remembered everything clearly from arriving at Rules and leaving. The only thing he didn't remember was beating Raul up. Aaron also didn't have any bruises on his face and didn't appear to have any remorse for what he did. He had sc several scratches on his hands, but it was from his work in landscaping. Kayla was interviewed next. She had been at Circle K with her mom when she said that Rule had come in. She said Rule was all up on her. Kayla said Rule called her a bitch after she told him to go away. Kayla then told Aaron and Danielle what had happened. Kayla said she never wanted anyone to fight. Kayla had participated in driving to Rule's. Her truck was the red truck with the camouflage pattern. Kayla said she didn't see the rest of the attack due to how she had parked her truck. Aaron Robinson was formally charged with attempted first-degree murder. The first attack on Raul hadn't been reported to the police. There had been a disagreement about some tools missing. Aaron and his dad, James, had attacked Raul over it. Raul had then been hospitalized after the attack, but it seemed like jealousy was the real motive for the attack because James Sr. was upset that Raul and Danielle were still seeing each other from time to time. Danielle was asked about Raul. She said he was very calm and never raised his voice. Danielle said they had been dating for a few months and even talked about getting married. She said on occasion Raul liked to drink, but nothing more than that. Danielle said Aaron had flagged her down when he saw her driving to tell her about the comments that Raul had made about Kayla. It didn't seem like Danielle had believed Aaron. Danielle had called Raul to warn him after her conversation with Aaron that day.
Danielle said that James Sr. had hired her to help take him to appointments. Danielle moved in with her kids and James. Danielle said the romantic relationship was short-lived. She still lived with him, but their relationship was employee and employer. Aaron and James Jr. thought that Danielle was a gold digger. James Jr. and Fluffy were interviewed by the police. James said that Aaron was upset about what had happened with Kayla and wanted to fight Raul. James said he was able to calm Aaron down for a bit and that Aaron only wanted to get Kayla to press sexual harassment charges. James said they did eventually drive to Raul's. James said that Raul had taken off his shirt and swung at Aaron first. James said Aaron had hit Raul twice, Raul fell, and Aaron got on top of him. James said he pulled Aaron off of Raul eventually. Fluffy said that Aaron had continued to punch Raul as he lay on the ground. Fluffy also described that Raul's face looked like after the attack. Fluffy said he looked like ground beef. Fluffy seemed not to care about what had been done to Raul and that he deserved it, and not one of them had called the police after Raul was beaten and laying unconscious on the ground. On August 13, 2014, two days after the attack, Raul was pronounced brain dead. He passed away, and his body was transported to the medical examiner's office. Raul did not have any injuries to his hands, and it was determined that he hadn't thrown any punches. Aaron's charges were upgraded to felony murder. The police went to Dollar General to obtain surveillance footage of Aaron, Kayla, and Danielle, and it confirmed that all three were at the store. It showed Danielle talking on the phone and passing it to Aaron, and then Aaron is seen pacing around the store. The police also obtained the footage from Circle K. Circle K had audio on their surveillance footage, which the police were excited about, and the incident didn't happen how Kayla had described it at Aaron, to Aaron or her mom. The interaction between Kayla and Raul was about three seconds long. Raul asked her if she was going to buy cigarettes and then walked away. Raul then told the cashier that Kayla was too young to buy cigarettes. It seemed like Kayla had either been angry because Raul said she was too young or she wanted to make Aaron jealous. Kayla knew that Aaron had a temper and would become jealous. Aaron's trial began in October 2020 in Tampa, Florida. He refused a plea deal to a reduction of manslaughter which would have been a sentence of about 15 years. Aaron believed that he would be found not guilty. Kimberly Boyette testified to what she saw that day. The medical examiner testified to Raul's severe injuries and broken teeth. Aaron also testified in his stand-your-ground hearing. He explained that he didn't do anything wrong and was justified in what he did. Photos of Raul's injuries were shown to the jury just to prove how brutal the attack was on him. The jury deliberated for five hours, and Aaron was sentenced to life in prison. He showed emotion for himself and seemed fearful of spending his life in prison. The scary part is Aaron is now a father. My heart really breaks for Raul and his loved ones. I couldn't imagine having to see the photos of his injuries. Raul didn't deserve what happened to him. Kayla knew how Aaron would react, so I'm not sure why she would have thought telling him that Raul had come on to her would have helped anything. Her actions led to Raul's death. Aaron did the beating and had previous altercations with him, but Kayla again knew how Aaron would react. I think Kayla, James Jr., and Fluffy are also responsible for what happened to Raul. Aaron did the killing and definitely deserves life in prison. My book recommendation for this week is The Dead Lake by Robin Mall. Two bodies, one spring break, and a school full of kids who won't talk. The bodies of two high school students are found floating in an icy lake, both showing signs that these were no accidental drownings. 
School is the first place to start asking questions, but Banger Police Detective Rebecca Ellis and her partner, Detective Bryce Pelletier, hit a wall of silence when they try talking to the victim's classmates. Then, a cryptic post on social media helps Ellis uncover the truth about a dangerous spring break tradition and what the kids were really up to on that fateful night. She also discovers that the victims were romantically involved after recent breakups, which puts the idea of a vengeful ex in the mix. But it soon becomes clear that the jealousy isn't the only motive as other suspects emerge. The only question is who among them has the heart of a cold-blooded killer? A daring game known as the game goes wrong. I think we've all been there and wanting to fit in with our friends. However, for these high school students, a valedictorian and a baseball captain, they end up dead. I was really intrigued, especially following the police investigation and how they solved what had really happened to these students. I give this book a 9 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at itscrimeoclocksomewhere at gmail.com, buy me a coffee, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave me a 5-star rating and review. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.